0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today I'm back with Jason. We're back for part two of our little uh, mini-series here, Uh, Why Should I Study Church History? This is episode two. Jason, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back, Duffy. Yeah, and we're going to jump right in to things we, uh, last episode, that would be uh, episode 176, if you're looking these up, uh, we covered the first three reasons that we gave for the question, answering the question. Reason number one, God is the Lord of history. Reason number two, we are not the first generation of Christians. And reason number three was similar. We are not the first generations of Christians who have fought for and continued Christian faith. Jason, do you have any um, maybe summarizing thoughts for this episode as we jump into these final three reasons? Well,
1: I I think that the main thing to take away from it, again, is the idea of God's sovereignty. He's providentially working. um, The umbrella is his sovereignty, and providence is the outworking of his sovereignty in time and space. And in place, and so that's what we see. And see, he's been faithful to his people. He's been helpful to those who have struggled through and had to defend the faith. He has guided his people. He has guided his um, church, his word, to to make the difference um, for the the story of redemption. That yes, it is a fulfilling of the story
0: of redemption. Amen. Amen. Well, and today we're going to jump into these last three reasons. I read them off to you uh, in our previous episode, but reason number four, uh, and this one particularly I think is super helpful as we're thinking about history and those who have gone before us, is that we can be greatly helped today and we can be encouraged by seeing the faithfulness of God to those who have gone before us. And what I mean by that, it's kind of a general statement. What I'm aiming at here is seeing different individuals and how god raised these people up um sometimes they're the only they're they're kind of isolated in, in their their social environment and god raises these people up to do something um extraordinary uh, to preserve the church they have some sort of a a meaningful impact on the church at large and it's just one individual um one person that i think of is martin luther um in the 14 and 1500s um, he, God used Luther to light a dynamite stick mm. and we talked about him last year, mm. but those are the kinds of things that we can, we can see, see and evaluate Martin Luther's life. We can say, okay, there are parts of Martin Luther's life and legacy that aren't super great. These are all just men and women, um, regular, regular men and women that God uses, but there are these, uh, portions of his life that we can be grateful to God about, Right, um, and and
1: that's one of the beauties of the of the Scripture is it does give us all the characters that we're familiar with, whether it be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Moses, Paul, David, and, and we see um, the mistakes and the flaws, and we see yet God's faithfulness to use those people. Yes. Martin Luther, we're so appreciative of the way that he brought back justification by faith alone. We're so thankful that he brought that back to be the emphasis of the gospel that had been lost for a thousand years. But then we also see Martin Luther, he never really got past that there was some sense that Christ was present in the bread and the
0: cup his his lord's supper theology was still a little wonky (laughs) right so the point is we don't throw him all away we don't say no well that he
1: was worthless we don't cast
0: him away and forget that he existed and do away with his works we appreciate how god used him that's right
1: and that's one of the beauties of history yes you you see those those flaws in the men and the women that god used and you're thankful for those men and women um, there are some heretics that you totally want to a- uh, absolutely um, keep at a distance and, yes. and run from, no doubt. But men and women who God has used faithfully, and there's been a, uh, an evidence of the work of God in them, let's don't toss them all out.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: I think about, Duffy, I think about Hebrews chapter 11. That's
0: where I was hoping you would take us.
1: Yeah, this this is such a great chapter if you're listening and you're Familiar with Hebrews 11, this is what we call the hall of faith or the hall of um, fame, if you will, of all the Old Testament saints. And so it begins with the writer saying, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, uh, by faith Isaac and Jacob, and by faith Moses, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with all of those who were disobedient, and then he gets to verse 32, and he says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, Samson, Jephna, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And the point being that the writer is saying, and we're trying to say in this episode of the podcast, that there are through the story of redemption in history, those men and women that God has used. We are part of a larger
0: family of faith. That's I was hoping you would land on that. Yes, we are part of a larger family of faith. And what you just read in Hebrews 11 is basically describing all of church history post-Jesus. Right. Um, you could almost read church history, and you would find all of these. You would find men and women who were stoned or persecuted Uh, Even today, right now in 2024, um, there are Christians who are, Christianity is outlawed in some countries. Christians who are found out are persecuted and their lives are threatened even today. So this is like ultra applicable um, as we read Hebrews 11. Just because we live in America, thank the Lord for his grace to this country that we are able to worship freely. That's not even the case all over the world today. And so... What we can learn, we can learn um, from our larger family um, how to remain faithful to Christ, even in the face of hardship. Um, We can learn how to be more thankful and grateful for the blessings that God gives. It helps us, as we read church history, to see the blessings of God in our own life today um, from a different lens, from a different perspective.
1: Right. It helps us, I think, to um, recognize... um Some mistakes in the past helps us to avoid some heresies of the past. Yes, helps us to think better about um, God and how He is working. Yes, I mean there's there's so many benefits, and a lot of it is as you say, you know, perspective. What are we seeing that happened in the past, and how can we avoid some things, or how can we even do better? Mm-hmm. Uh, from what we see from the past,
0: that's exactly right, and that kind of bleeds into our fifth reason. These two go together. So, reason number four is we can be great, or we can be greatly helped and encouraged by seeing the faithfulness of God to these individuals who've gone before us. And number five would be we can be greatly helped and encouraged by anticipating, from our point of view now, that God will continue and remain to be faithful to His church.
1: Oh, that is so good,
0: and so. Um, it's a, it's, it's like two halves. We're standing here today. We look back over our shoulders and really we look under our feet. We're standing on their shoulders, uh, with that metaphor, those who have come before us, but we can also look forward in the face of adversity with the church right now, specifically with all the challenges that the church faces in America in 2024, governmental issues, Morality issues, economic ethical, economic issues, you name it. Right now, we are it's in a really tough spot for us. But regardless, um, history shows us that we're not in the worst place possible that we could be. Right, <laughs> and it shows us to count our blessings. But it also shows us that God will continue because He is faithful and just, and He does not change. So that as we move forward, He will continue to lead His church. Guide his church, protect his church, um, and in all sorts of ways, in ways that we wouldn't even expect.
1: Right. I think about um, the fact that sometimes here in the 21st century, we think that it's so bad that, you know, uh, morally, spiritually, yes. religiously, the church is not where she needs to be. But we don't have it worse than what Paul and the other apostles had in the first century, there was no remnant of the gospel. There was no sense of morality. It was just paganism. And so to bring the gospel into that context versus in our context, Southern uh, morality, politeness, chivalry, those kinds of things
0: are still... It's barely hanging on. It's barely. We're, it's on fumes. It's we're on, on the fumes we're of on, that. We're on the E gauge right yeah, now. Yeah. But, but nevertheless, there, there's but still a context there. for the gospel. A, there is, there and,
1: is. And I think about, yes, we do have all of those um, challenges of 2024, whether it be economic or educational or political, religious, whatever it is, but there's no greater opportunity this this is what we've got to constantly do is put Christ before the people yes and then church history reminds us that the great commission was God's intent and all people are invited to come to saving faith in Christ and we've got all of these venues and avenues
0: means to We've got we've got more Ways to share the gospel than ever before in human history.
1: We've got more Bibles, more, <laughs> more translations Bibles. of the Bible. Yes, more accurate yes. translations. Yes,
0: very good scholarship yes. in helping to be you know retrieving all of this uh, stuff to so that our translations can be precise and good. And hundreds of languages that the Bible is translated all over the world. God's using Christians to translate the Bible into languages. And so, yeah. so the Great
1: Commission would be just as relevant in apostolic times yes the middle ages you know the 17th century the 18th century the 20th century the great commission has never changed
0: yes and, and Jesus' words I will build my church yes were as true as they were in the first century as they as true they are now right and we
1: can know that he's going to do that we can accomplish it yes. when you when we think about this reason we can be greatly helped and encouraged by anticipating that God will remain faithful. That's why we keep going, Duffy. That's why we keep making the means of grace priorities in our life. That's why we continue to encourage one another to share the
0: gospel and to live faithfully. Because we know that history is going somewhere. It is going somewhere. That's I wanna let me hang out for there for a minute. But you mentioned, I think last episode about history begins. You know, we can say that history began in Genesis one one, um, whenever that mo- that moment in time is, and from that moment when God spoke the earth and the heavens into being, as He was breathing um, and forming uh, the plants and the birds and the fish and all of these things that we find in the first chapter of Genesis, from that moment on, history has had meaning and a purpose and a trajectory. Yes. Um, and so, some someone has said in the past, and I, I like this, is uh, that uh, our eschatology, which is the doctrine of the end times, began in the garden. It began in the first chapters of Genesis. That God has always had a forward-looking of intent for history. History is not just sitting in an idle mode right now. Right, right. We're moving somewhere. The redemptive plan is what. You had mentioned a few times. Right.
1: And when you see <coughs> Genesis 1 and 2 and you read the end of Revelation 21 and 22, you see that there's a lot of similarities there. Yes. And so God started in in one yes. uh, setting and he's going to end it in another yes. setting. Um, and those settings are practically the same. And in between is history.
0: Yes. Yes. And so history is going someplace. And as Christians, we're on the train tracks. <laughs> you yes. know, we're... We're uh, we're we have a ticket. We're the, the conductor is Christ, you know, f- to use a train metaphor, as we're talking about this, and we can be confident that um, that today, no matter what our situation is, the church around the world, pick your you know the, the church in the the portion of Christ's church that's say in a country like China um, needs our prayers. They need our support in uh, Israel, in the Middle East right now, specifically. Um, in places where the um, where unbelievers want to kill Christians, want to snuff out the gospel, it's demonic in 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 the way that they're being opposed. Um, but God, and but even God, still, even still, that's right. That's the point. Has no bearing on the purpose of God. That's uh, right. God is using that to purify His church. He's using that to grow His church. Some of the greatest moments in church history, where growth has happened, is through the fires of persecution. That's right. Um, and and opposition. That's where the the gospel shines forth. The uh, the true people of God rise as cream to the top, as it were. And God continues on. So right. God will not be thwarted, and Christ That's will right. build His church. That's right. Who answers? To, who who says to God? Are you you know? What are you doing? Right. You know, no one questions, no one can question God's plan. Right. Okay, well, as we wrap this up, we've given five reasons. Reason number six, I think for me, is going to be the most, um, this is one of the main reasons for me why we would study church history. Um, it comes with a, a little bit of a theological bent toward it, but our understanding of God's word, the Bible, can be helped, and it will be helped if you study church history. And we've already mentioned this a little bit, but I, wanna, I want us to press in kind of as we end this series. Um, but as we read through church history today in the 21st century, there have been various pockets of um, specific um, points of debate or controversy or you know whatever kind of title you want to put on to that, but where a doctrine has risen up, And there's been people who have been for it and against it. And there has been this uh, time where the the true doctrine of the word has been preserved or whatever doctrine is being fought for. I think about some of the councils and um, the creeds that have come out of those like Nicaea, Constantinople, Chalcedon. um, And those are, you know, 1500 years removed from us right now. But we still bear that as the church. Those are things that have gone before us and, um, the church has debated, um, hashed it out, <laughs> as it were. Right. Um, we're not having to fight. Lord willing, we—I mean, some some places we are, but we don't have to figure out the what do we believe about the doctrine of the Trinity today, because we kind of have that been passed down to us in a way. Right. And we can be thankful for that. Yeah. Those councils
1: um, really were continuing and uh, upholding. Yes. The the faith as it has been given. Um, that once were all given to the saints' faith. Yeah, yeah. And so those particular councils were battling against heresies that were trying to supplant, if you yes. will, the the truth. Yes. And so they're all important. They're all part of church history. We're a result. We are the beneficiaries, if you will, of yes. those councils. That's
0: a great way to put it. We're the beneficiaries of those. yes. Um, so what what we want to understand is when we read church history and study that, it can help us in the sense that we don't necessarily have to, um, uh, I don't know how to word this right or word this well maybe, but we don't have to fight those fights in, in one sense. We do have to preserve those truths, but we can kind of look back and think, oh, okay, that is true, and we can adopt it. We can, <laughs> you know, we can take it in with us right. um, as, we, as we understand and as we develop our theology and our understanding of God's Word. Um, and we have examples of uh, faithfulness like William Tyndale, some specifics. We already mentioned Martin Luther. Martin Luther brought back and, and highlighted the doctrine of justification by faith alone. William Tyndale brought back the Bible and said that the Bible needs to be in the hands of everybody. The Bible needs to be accessible. Um, he was a forerunner to even Luther in the Middle Ages. So let me... Re- let me and uh, you've got a great quote here, a great portion from this book. Right. Let me read a, re- read a little history.
1: Yes. This is on May the 21st, 1535. Tyndale uh, is, has been running from the church because what Tyndale has been wanting to do and has done is to translate the Bible into English, and this is breaking the law. This is putting, you are putting the law in the common vernacular of the people, the language of the people. That's against the law of the church and yes, the land.
0: Yes, he was putting his life on the line yeah. for this.
1: So this is what happened at the end. He's been running. Um, he has been um, hiding. He's had his works confiscated, destroyed. He has had moments of, High drama where he's having to barely escape the clutches of the church. And there was a man by the name of Phillips who had become his friend. And so on May the t- 30, 21st, 1535, Phillips shows up to a, a home that he was invited to for lunch. And he then went to town to set the officers in place who were going to ambush Tyndale. So Phillips' plan was working admirably, only requiring that Tyndale, who had been invited out to lunch that day, would cancel the arrangements made with Miss Points and invite Phillips to join him in the town. So in this, he was not disappointed. So God said, I'm going to put Tyndale who is translating the Bible with the betrayer, Phillips, and they're going to go to town together. Now, Tyndale has no idea. Henry Phillips could not resist one more victory over his already condemned price. Almost as an afterthought, he asked Tyndale if he would kindly lend him two pounds on the pretext that he had that very moment lost his purse. Tyndale, simple and uh, willing to um, help his friend, handed over the money, and that was enough money for a family to live on for two months. So the 10 men left the house, and uh, that city, which was Antwerp at the time, was like all medieval towns, laced with twisting narrow alleys and in places refusing to allow two men to pass where no sun less by reason of the overhanging buildings that the pedestrians might have to bump in order to meet in other words crowded twisting turning they can't walk shoulder to shoulder as they left the home just such an opening confronted them Tyndale courteously stepped back to allow his guests to precede him. Phillips, a tall, handsome man, stood aside and ins- insisted that the great reformer should have precedent. Tyndale came to the opening and saw two officers ready to seize him. He hesitated moved back. Philip stood over him, pointing down with his finger as a sign that this was the man that the officers should arrest him. He then jostled Tyndale forward into the officers and they bound him with ropes and brought him to the attorney's residence. And so this is the arrest of William Tyndale. That's church history. That's what we're talking about. The fact that um, the um, examples that we have in history would help us to see the faithfulness of God in spite of difficulties. The the, the examples of um, Luther that you're talking about, these are great moments in church history. Listen to this. I'll read you another one, or at least just tell you the story of Augustine, uh, Augustine. Some people say Augustine, some people say Augustine. Sure. So Augustine, he's a gener- uh, a, a genius, right? I mean, he's Intellectually, so strong, and he um, yet is a wayward genius. He is um, f- drowning, if you will, in the life of pleasure. That's all he lives for, and he, he crossed every boundary to fulfill his pleasure. He went for a time into a religious cult. Now he's approaching middle age, he's desperate, he needs something to give him hope and purpose and satisfaction, and that's all eluded him, and he could not control his destructive habits that he learned when he was as a teenager. And so he goes over into a garden, and he hears over the wall in this garden the voice of a child, pick it up and read it, pick it up and read it. On the ground before him lay the epistle to the Romans, and he opened it at Romans 13, 13, and 14. And in a moment, his world was turned upside down, and his massive intellect was recruited for the cause of Christ.
0: And he would go on to write one of the uh, towering treatises in the history of the church on the Trinity. Um, his His confessions has been read by thousands of christians.
1: And most people say it's the first christian autobiography.
0: Yes. Yes. And so how god can turn around um John Bunyan I I remember us planning for that episode. John Bunyan was um just a terror as a teenager and as a child and god turned his life around by the gospel and you know we know his legacy. Right. Um so I think our I wow. think the point
1: we're trying to make there Duffy is that last point our understanding of god's word the Bible um, will be helped. And it's helped by seeing the faithfulness of the lives of men and God's um, continuing to work to preserve and protect yes. the Scripture to the yes. point where we have it t- today.
0: Yes, and uh, just a few more examples. I'm glad you brought in Augustine. Um, I think about, and <clears throat> uh, I believe he was in the 2nd century, um, Irenaeus, although we would not agree with everything, Um, He certainly was um, a Christian, um, believed the gospel, and he wrote against some very important heretics, Marcion and Valentinus, or Valentinus, in the second century. And so we have uh, copies of his work where he was writing in defense of Christianity against these, and we can learn from these from, this has been 1,800 years ago. Uh, Tertullian uh, was a, a little bit after Irenaeus. He actually studied under Irenaeus. And I think, if I remember correctly, he was in the 3rd century. And what's fascinating about Tertullian, some of the language that we find later on in history that is used by the confessions of faith, as well as the creeds of the Christian faith, that are way further removed from Tertullian, he is the one who brought some of the language that we use to help us to formulate our understanding of the Trinity way back in the 3rd century. Now, we would not agree with everything that Tertullian taught. But God used him in that time, to, and uh, we can trace that stream of Trinitarian theology all the way from Tertullian as well as Augustine, in those. So it's fascinating to see. Right. Um And then Athanasius, uh, you know, we have he he's famous for the Athanasian Creed, and he gave the probably the best defense of the deity of Christ that's ever been made in history. <laughs> um, so anyway, those are those are, those are the are, kinds of things that right. Great examples that we can remember. We can read these guys. We can understand um, that God used these men. Although we wouldn't agree with everything that they had ever wrote and some of their beliefs, um, He still used these fallible men to uh, in these particular points of time. That will help us today theologically and understanding our Bibles as well, so we can avoid some pitfalls.
1: Right. One one thing that we probably ought to say as we wrap it up, and we'll give some uh, resources. Yes. Um, One of the dangers as we've tried to promote and encourage and entice people to be involved in church history, one of the dangers would be to be uh, so concentrating, so focused on the people, on the movements, on the events that we forget to look at uh, God working. So always keep in, uh, in focus the hand of God at work. I mean, you pick up a biography, a Christian biography, not so that you can emulate and be a Spurgeon. Exactly. But so you can see the hand of God working through yes. that man and are there some life lessons and some some things that you might can pick up from his life? Sure, but you see the hand of God working yes, and how that God worked in that particular person. And so Amen. Uh, w- w- that's a pitfall that probably we could uh, mention that it would be easy to fall into.
0: Yeah, and I think on that same idea, just um, some of us have our favorite people in church history. Some of us who do um, enjoy reading in history and understanding and not forgetting, rather, that they're just people that God used. They're not mm-hmm. perfect. They had pitfalls and they had their own issues. You could name any any of the ones that we've named and there were issues that we have to deal with as well when we read about them. Mm. And we understand and we learn from them. Um man like Martin Luther had some serious serious things in his life that we would not agree with and we would condemn uh you know as as far as Christian behavior is concerned. Right. But yet at the same time, God used him in mighty, in a mighty, mighty way. Right. So so if we want to
1: wrap up the episode with this, Duffy, and thinking about how would we recommend somebody to get started in reading in church history? And yeah. I, I think there's two tracks that I would suggest. One is general church history, yep. and one is specific or yes. particular. Yes. And so church history uh, in general, you can find books like I've got the uh, two-volume set, which actually... I just discovered today. Volume two is missing. I don't know how it got <laughs> lost, but it's somebody's, lost.
0: Somebody's got it. If yeah. you ha- hey, if you
1: have Jason's copy of this. Yes, it's called <laughs> The Story of Christianity by <laughs> Gonzalez. And uh, Justo. I think his name is Justo. Justo. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, Gonzalez. And yep. um, it's The Story of Christianity, Volume One, Volume Two. And it's just an overview of what's happened since the apostolic era ended uh, to today. Yeah, and it's you, a succinct uh, history of the church. Right, right. So you just kind of get a, a, you know, a bird's eye view of it. Um, there are others that would give you that same kind of general understanding. I'm, I'm not familiar with this one, but it's Sketches from Church History by S.M. Halton. And that's a recommendation that I would um, just bring to you from some reading that that um, I had uh, gotten into in preparation for this episode of the podcast. Two um, thousand years of Christ's power
0: by Nick Needham. Yes, and I, I can speak to that. <clears throat> I've read through the first volume of that, and that volume is extremely helpful. He covers from basically from the end of Jesus's life and ministry all the way up till about year three or four hundred. I can't remember, somewhere around that time. And Nick Needham writes so clearly and simply. It's a very good, um, he does a good job of not writing in an academic, um, high, high in the cloud sort of language. It's very easy to read language. You can read through it. It's exciting. He's a good writer. So he d- he, tells, he tells church history in a very uh, engaging way.
1: Right. I think another general kind of church history would be the one that you mentioned in yes. the last episode, the book In the Year of Our Lord by Sinclair Ferguson, and uh, it just gives you snippets of the different sis- centuries of yep. church history, so you get a little feel for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down to the 16th century in this book. You just get one little... Um, piece, one little slice, if you will, but it's a good general kind of way to... Yeah, it's super
0: short, Mm -hmm. and Sinclair writes well as well. I mean, anyone could pick that book up and read it.
1: Right. I think another one is um, a a
0: publication that, that
1: I can't remember the year, but we actually went through for the church. We offered a class on God's Timeline, the big book of church history, and this was a, a publication that um, was just giving you, uh, again, little snippets of events um, and people uh, based
0: on a timeline. Yeah, and that book looks like it does a great job of doing some visuals. It's got a lot of pictures, colors, and a yes, yes. Um, very engaging book to look at.
1: And <laughs> we actually um, had that in our Faith at Home Resource Center at one time. I'm not sure there are any copies in there at this moment, uh, but when we first went through that class, people enjoyed it immensely, and we, we sowed many of these little Excellent. God's Timeline, the big book of church history. <laughs> Excellent. So those those are some general resources.
0: Yeah, let me throw in something else, too. Online, one of the best places that you can go to today that I've found, if you're ever interested in, in church history, is Ligonier.com. Uh, is it .org or .com? Anyway, look up Ligonier Ministries, and there is just a plethora of everything from different individuals throughout history, General Church history. Um, there's there's so much resources on there digitally if you're online and right. you want to look up something.
1: They have a podcast that's called Five Minutes in Church History. Yes, I listen to it faithfully. Yes, and it's just a five minute podcast, but it's a little snippet of church history. And uh, they make it possible. and Ministries makes it possible for um, people to, to listen to that. Uh, it began in 2013. So it's well over um, um, you know, 300 episodes, well, close to 500 at this point. But it just it, it's a wonderful resource just to get yes. your five minutes of church history fixed.
0: Yeah, it still amazes me. every time I listen to one of those episodes, it's Dr. Stephen J. Nichols that does that. It amazes me how much he can pack into five minutes, and he keeps it at five minutes every time. I know, time. I know. It's
1: impressive. It is. So let's talk about a particular track. Okay. Um, if we're talking about general tracks, and those resources that we just mentioned would be general, but specific would just be the biographies.
0: Yeah, I would say if the single best way to get into more detail in some church history is just to find out, if you want to study and look at a particular era of church history, Look for biographies written about individuals in that time frame. That's right. And that will give you your, um, your introduction into it, and then you can read about other stuff as, you, as you'd like to. Right.
1: So from, from the reading that I gave just a moment ago about uh, William Tyndale, that came from a book called God's Outlaw by Brian Edwards. And if you want to know the That's whole story. It's a great story, title. I know. <laughs> because he was an outlaw. Yes. And the church was the one who was... Yes. Per- Ro- Roman Catholic Church, specifically. Yes. yes, Roman Catholic Church, thank you, was the ones who were pursuing him and wanted to prosecute him for trying to put the Bible... Imagine in, that. ...in the language of the common people. Yes. So God's outlaw, the story of William Tyndale in the English Bible would be one of the the biographies that you could look at and pick up
0: yeah and that biography is going to center around Tyndale but you're going to get a whole host of other ancillary histor- historical material about that time period yes. so you're going to get both and when you look at a at a story like that
1: right so you can find a biography on John Knox on yes Eric Lytle on um, Dawson Trotman um, these are all men that God has used for his purposes in the church and and women as well, many, many, that would be just wonderful reads that would encourage you, would inform you in church history, but certainly be informative and challenging and encouraging about the life of that person.
0: Yeah, I know particularly, I have actually not read these yet, but they're on my list. Two that have been recommended to me lately have been, one, um, the, the wife, there's a biography about the wife of Martin Luther, and there's a one about the bi- uh, there's a biography about Susanna Spurgeon the wife of Charles Spurgeon I'm about halfway I've, through that one I've heard that they are both just extremely good and they give you a different spin and how these women got used in amazing ways in support of their husbands but also they all did their own stuff to promote the gospel and to uh, it's just amazing to see and hear about these kinds of things yes as
1: we were studying and thinking about uh, doing this episode I, I just did a quick count of the uh, biographies that I have in my library just on these christian heroes and i counted 114 <laughs> and but you know and and several of those i haven't read several yep. i have yeah uh, but those um those biographies are fascinating
0: yeah and so that's the hall of faith if you want to use that that you sit you when you when you sit down at your desk you're sitting with these Christians who have gone before you and all over the world uh, that you can pull from, that you can learn from, and that you can be edified by. Um, it's just a, it's a neat thing to think about. Right. I mean, some of the
1: the great um, biographies that, that I can think of is the two-volume biography on Dr. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones um, by Ian Murphy. Yes. That's a great biography. Um, the two-part, uh, biography on the life of George Whitfield, the 18th century evangelist Yes. Um, by uh, Dallamore. I mean, these are two, just two more examples, and we could probably go on and on, but we probably need to, to shut it down at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: we could talk a lot about this. I just got done reading, uh, my wife got me um, a little short biography that I've been wanting for a while. Um, Theodore Beza was the successor and really good friend, close friend of John Calvin. And he followed John Calvin up um, in Geneva when he passed, and Beza wrote a biography of Calvin's life. And I just got finished reading through that. And what I loved about that is that it's a very no-nonsense, very short, brief synopsis of Calvin's life from Beza, but it was written by a close friend and comrade. And so Beza strings together Calvin's life, but all of the controversies that Calvin was involved with. And um, just laces him. He w- laces this little tapestry for you in a very succinct way. It was very edifying. But those kinds of things is you get you get the life of Calvin, but you also get uh, the history of, of Geneva and, and Northern Europe at that time. But also some of the theological issues that were. It's just a comprehensive little. So all of those kinds of things are just really really helpful. Um, Jason, do you have any closing thoughts? I know we need to shut this one
1: down. No, yeah, I believe that you know what we were saying at the end of just giving some recommendations, two different tracks, uh, general church history, and then more particular church history through the biographies of people's lives.
0: Yes. Well, as we close, let me just remind you all, these are the six reasons, and then uh, we will look forward to tuning in with you next time on the next episode. So why should I study church history? Reason number 1, God is the Lord of history. Reason number 2, we are not the first generations of Christians, our first generation of Christians, and reason number 3, we're not the first generation of Christians who have fought for and continued the Christian faith. Reason number 4, we can be greatly helped and encouraged by seeing the faithfulness of God to those who have gone before us. And number five, we can be greatly helped by encouraged by anticipating that God will continue to be faithful to his church and to us today. And then finally, it can help us in our understanding of God's word as we see the different controversies and conflicts over doctrines and uh, points of theology all throughout the centuries. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget to like or share this podcast. Pass it along to someone else that you think might benefit from it. Text, email, social media, any way you share your media. Don't forget, finally, that uh, you can submit us a question to look forward to a- address in a future podcast episode if you'd like. Go to our media tab on our website, bbcemory.org. And you'll find a place to do that. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.